Good morning again. <laughs> my name is Eric Orr, and it is my good pleasure to welcome you this morning to River City Church. We pray that this morning at our table, you'll find everything that you came for and everything that you need. Now, here at River City, we join the, the worldwide body of Christ in teaching through the Revised Common Lectionary. The Common Lectionary is a set of scriptures that work their way methodically through the entire Bible over the course of three years. Our reading today are the words of Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. The occasion is the circumcision of his eight-day-old son, who would later become known as John the Baptist. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you, Father, for being with us over the course of the past year. We thank you, Father, that you helped us with our victories and you helped us with our challenges. And we ask you to go before us into the next year, dear Lord God, to order our steps aright, to keep us from veering to the right and to the left, keep us on a level path. Holy Spirit, we invite you here today to help us to praise you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Right, we're going to turn our attention towards the world and towards the community. ask you to, to stay standing or stand if you're sitting as an act of participation. We gather together at this table today to commune with our Father, recognizing that at the same time, many outside of here are not partaking of the same table. And so we hold that intention this morning and we prophesy with the prophet Jeremiah. He says, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And so, God, this morning we pray that you might execute justice and righteousness in the land that which we live. So this morning we pray for the Universal Church, its members, and its mission. God, we pray for all of our network churches, Highlands, Riverstone, Stonebridge, Sojourn, 
Arise Life and Vintage 242, God, where they gather this morning and in the places in which they inhabit, God, that you might bring them together, that you would be with them just as you were with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God, we pray for those affected this week by Dimitri Bradley's death, who was a pastor in Richmond, Virginia that died in a car crash. God, for those that are affected, his family, all of the members of his congregation, God, we pray that you would bring healing to their community. God, we pray for the persecuted church this morning, for the Coptic Christian family that was attacked with a dagger in Egypt this week, and the healing, God, that you might bring to the son who's in critical condition currently. God, right now that you would impact his body, that we might see restoration from our prayers. God, we pray, God, as there was a, a, a pastor murdered this week and a child in Cameroon by Boko Haram. God, we mourn with those families. God, that you might encourage them and bring strength. In light of these things, God, we ask you, King Jesus, to execute justice in our land. God, we pray for our world and all those in it. God, we continue to pray for the fires in Australia that they might cease. God, that you would bring relief efforts to that community. God, we pray for the 24 that died in the Democratic Republic of the Congo this week in a plane crash, God, for all those affected. God, we pray that you might encourage and strengthen those families. God, we continue to pray, God, on behalf of those that were affected by the shooting in Santa Clarita just two weeks ago as people are trying to piece life back together. God, that you might rebuild what has been torn down in those families. God, we continue to pray for the Kurds and the unrest in Syria and in Turkey. God, that you would empower the relief efforts that are happening there and give your church bravery. God, for the protests in China as people are seeking freedom, God, that you might liberate a people, not just politically, but God, that you might liberate them emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, God, that they might find their freedom in you. In light of these things, we ask you, King Jesus, execute justice in our land. For the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County, God, we continue to pray for the political unrest, even locally. God, as there's a runoff election coming, God, we pray that you would bring the right person to lead our city. And God, whoever it may be, God, that they would love their neighbor just as they love themselves, God, that there would be healing in our land, even politically. God, we pray for those who are being abused in our community, both here and in Cobb County and in Smyrna. God, whether it be sexually, mentally, emotionally, physically, God, we pray, God, that you might set captives free. God, that you would bring justice to the captors. God, for the orphans and the foster children, God, move us to compassion and bring comfort to those who suffer. In light of these things, we ask you, King Jesus, to execute justice in our land. We pray for the concerns of this local community and all of us who suffer in it. We continue to pray for the Hamill's friend, Nick. God, that you would bring healing. God, that you might restore in him a sense, God, that you are with him, even in the midst of the most troubling times of his life. God, we continue to pray for Joe Green's cousin who suffered a brain aneurysm. God, and he's had emergency surgery. God, we ask for healing. For Paula, who's recovering after her surgery, God, we pray that you would restore our friend. God, for Don, Edie's friend, Scott, Kelly, as he's recovering from blood clot surgery, God, we pray that you would bring healing to him. God, that you might show him and all those around him, God, that you are the healer. 
God, we continue to pray for Sherry Kinsler as she mourns the loss of her family member. God, we mourn with her this morning. God, for all of us who suffer in this community, those spoken and those unspoken, God, we pray that you might bring us to a well-watered place that we might drink deeply and that we might be filled to overflowing. In light of these things, we ask you, King Jesus, bring justice to our land. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you. I am going to introduce David. I'm not going to just give him a cold welcome. So when we planted our church about six years ago, five years ago, we were given the opportunity on our network to travel around to all the churches and preach and talk about what we were doing. And it helped us tremendously. We got to bless. We were blessed financially by churches. We were blessed relationships by churches. And we were brought into a community that had been existent. So... David has planted a church and his wife Jane have planted a church called Highlands. And it's a different expression, which is something that we're very excited about. It's not just like any of the others, which is another great thing about our church. But theirs is interesting in the way that they're doing it. And so I'm hoping today that you hear about it. And even for those of you in this room that feel a call to join in what they were doing, we would bless that. Okay? That's a gift to us and to them. And so when they come up, are you both coming up or just, no, of course not. No, it's just Jane, right? No? Okay, cool. So if you have questions about what he's saying after service, you can meet with him in the prayer room if it's after, and it's the mom's nursing room if it's before. It's much more comfortable if it's after going into that room. So I'm going to pray over you. Jesus, I thank you for the Scots. I thank you for the the way that you're expressing the kingdom through them. And I just pray today that he would be able to express very clearly and that we would join in celebrating and be a part of this team together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm David. Am I doing it right? Are we good? All right. Uh, so really quick, I don't want to be the guy who takes away meet and greet. So you have 45 seconds. All right, ready? Don't get up. Some of you guys are like, only 45, right? And it's, today's your day. So you have 45 seconds. You can turn around where you are. I just want you to say hey to each other. And if you need something, here's what you can say. Your sort of traditional go-to Thanksgiving food, all right, if you need the topic. So 45 seconds, go. Go. All right, five, four, three, two, one. We're good. We're done. All right, you're coming back. Oh, that was a bad idea to do that with, with River City. Was that bad? Are you guys good? All right, so really quick, here is a tip for you. If your answer involves something jello or fruit related, you were wrong. You get a do-over. You can try again later. Anybody jello or fruit related? You don't, don't be ashamed. Anybody? Anything weird? Good, good for you. You're good people. You're solid people, River City. Um, my name is David Scott. I am thankful to be here. Um, Josh and River City have been a huge encouragement in my life over the past five years. The only discouraging they did, thing they did was take Bill Pinto 
and I'm still not over it. So for five years, I've been planning to get back up here and invite Bill back to a church to get back. <laughs> I'm kidding. Bill's awesome. You guys are blessed to have him. Bill was one of my favorite leaders and still one of my favorite people uh, to spend time with. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, so there's kind of a, a needle to be threaded here for me. Um, people ask uh, when you do this to, for you to go around and talk about uh, your church, but most people don't come to church to hear about another church. Uh, and, and so I really try to be aware of that. I want to honor the fact that you guys may want to know what's going on with Highlands, but I also want to honor the fact that that's probably not the primary reason uh, that you came to worship together today. So usually what that means is I'm going to try to hurry through the Highlands portion of what I share with you and kind of get into the message and the word with you guys today. But if I go too fast for you, if you have questions, I'm more than happy. I love talking about Highlands, and I'm more than happy to stay around uh, and talk to you about it. So let me, let me give you guys our vision, um, a little bit about kind of what Josh was saying in terms of us being a different church, and then our values and ways to support us. Um, so our vision for Highlands is to pursue community transformation. That's a core part of any church in our network. But for us, it's primarily through equipping followers of Jesus to build missional communities. And uh, that's a word that some of you may know, some of you may not. Another phrase people use is micro churches, which I think maybe is a better description. It's, it's equipping believers. So people in this room, our primary goal would be to equip you to go out and live as the church in the world around you. And I'll talk about why in a minute. Um, we want to grow the church by sending out primarily rather than bringing in. We realize we need to have a core group of people, but we want our primary growth uh, to be by sending out. It's why up to this point, Highlands is technically, I think we're three months old, um, but we broadcast as a bigger church than we actually are, two-thirds uh, probably of what we do and what we spend our energy and our resources on um, is outside of our walls uh, so far through different small groups and outreaches like that. And finally, we want the church in itself as, as an organism to understand our role in the community and use that to pursue good for the community. And the way that's fleshed out for us so far is we've developed pretty strong relationships with a couple of businesses and also a school um, in our area. And then uh, on the last Sunday of the month, which for us will be tonight, we meet in the afternoons, we do something called our services service, which is where we dedicate, we would dedicate this time over to doing something for the community. Tonight, we'll be putting together care packages uh, for the homeless and everybody um, in our community will take those care packages with them and give them out through the month of December. The shorthand for that is that we want to be a church of the community. We want to be a church to the community. And we also want to be a church that's building community um, outside of our walls. We have four values. Uh, oh, wait, I skipped one. I'm sorry. Um, kind of who our reach is to um, has been a little difficult for us because uh, we never felt called to a geographic location, but more uh, to, to a place in um, the world that we think the church is, is just beginning to start meeting. And, and that's this idea that there are people who love church. And then there are people, I used to say people who hate church, but all my leaders said, you can't say they hate church. I don't know why you can't. Some of them do, but really people who don't church for whatever reason, maybe they don't hate church, but maybe they're just not interested in it. It doesn't seem relevant to their lives anymore. They've been hurt in such a way that they're never going to walk into a place that's called a church, no matter how interesting or cool or dynamic we make it. And, and so our calling, we believe, as Highlands is to that space between, if you look at those two circles. It's to that place between where we can connect people who love church and people who don't church 
in ways that allow the church to grow uh, beyond any walls. So as I was saying, we have four values uh, that drive that for us. The first we call relational discipleship. Uh, and that just means we want to listen and talk to God and people about God and people. Uh, Jesus said, I only do the things that I see my father doing. And so we want to build that kind of community um, that says, I'm listening and talking to God as I'm interacting with people. And I'm listening and talking to people as I interact with God. Our second value is that we're called to be a family of God. Uh, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Friendship is discovered. Um, and sometimes friendship in church can be difficult. And if we think the church is here to provide friendships, that can make things get a little wonky in terms of how we relate to each other. Um, but, but we believe that the New Testament points to family as the primary relationship uh, for believers in Christ, and family is decided, right? It's, it's about who your father is. And even if you might not have everything in common, you're still a part of your family. Some of you are going to live that out in real time this coming week, aren't you? Yeah, and, 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 and that's what it means to be the family of God, that, that we may not love at all times, honestly, but we are born for adversity for each other, and we want to be there to make sure that everybody knows that they're not alone. Our third value is that we want to be a city on a hill. And that's this idea that the church should, at its best, shine as a better way forward than the culture without the church has to offer. And then finally, we believed, I, I say this is the paper that we write our other values on, we believe that we're transformed by the Spirit, um, that everywhere we walk, we better not go there if the Spirit hasn't been there first, but that Jesus is the proof that the Spirit has been there first, and that everything is holy, and everything is sacred, and everything is an opportunity for grace. And so when we walk into places, we don't walk in fearful or divided or shut off. We walk in open because we know we're walking into places where the Spirit has already walked if you'd like to support us, I can give you guys some ways. Um, so far, it's going to come up on this next slide. Um, right now, we meet on Sunday evenings uh, at 164 Roswell Street. We are planted out of Stonebridge Church, if you guys are familiar with Stonebridge on the square. And right now, we're using some of their space uh, to meet in. Um, we're trying to build both of our circles, some of those examples I've shared with you guys. And again, if you want to talk more about those, I can talk uh, afterwards. Um, but here's what we would love. We would love your prayers first and foremost, because again, we want to walk into places that the Spirit is walking into for us. Um, you can pray that God would send us people that have a heart for this mission specifically. You can pray for our finances. There are some goals uh, that we're hoping to reach by the end of the year um, in order to be set up for what we feel like God's calling us to in 2020. You can pray for our geography. Honestly, we're not sure where a church like this is supposed to meet and how much it matters where we meet. I, I really have sort of competing things in my own heart um, about that. Um, I know that I want it to be central to our values. I know that wherever we meet geographically, I want it to relate and reflect our values. Uh, so you could pray uh, for that as well. You, you could come. You could for sure come or you could send somebody. Um, if that made sense, if there's somebody here like, I don't really resonate with what they're doing, but I know some people who do, we would, I would love to connect with them and talk with them more. You could send them some time. And then the last thing is this, honestly, with, with two-thirds of our resources right now really going outside of our doors, uh, my hope is that someday we will be at a core, someday, my hope is that in the next year that we will be at a core of, of sort of internal believers that can support that mission. Right now, we have a lot of mission going on outside of our walls. Uh, but it's a growth process for us to get there. 
Um, again, because of how we're set up, two-thirds of what we do goes to people um, that are already a little reticent and hesitant towards church, and so we don't ask them for anything um, in return for what we give. And so if you wanted to take that mission on uh, in 2020, that would be a huge uh, support to us. So those are some ways um, that you can support us. Um, one of the questions I always get asked about Highlands is, well, are you guys a church or are you a mission? And my answer is always yes. Like we're a church and a mission. There's a guy, uh, Christopher Wright, um, who wrote a lot about this idea of church and mission, who said uh, the church of God doesn't have a mission, but the mission of God has a church. Um, and I think that that's kind of an interesting way to, to make a point, but I think all of those things are true. I think that the church has to have mission, and the mission has to have a church in order for us to do this well. And as Highlands, what we're trying to do is live out the next step of what that looks like in our world and in our culture. 80% of Americans who identify as spiritual or religious say they attend church services rarely or never. It's 80%. And 60% of Americans who identify as Christians say that they attend church services rarely or never. And what that says to me is that there's a demographic that the church is still continuing to miss. And the only way that we're ultimately going to connect with that demographic in, in life-changing ways is to believe that the Spirit can work and build community outside of walls and not just primarily by inviting people into our walls. That's why we're a church and a mission on the mission side. And the reason we're a church and a mission on the church side is that we have to stay connected to the Spirit, is that we end up becoming, and I've seen this happen way too many times, is people that are so desperate to connect with culture that we lose the reason that we were connecting with them in the first place which is the hope of Jesus, that it's only the Spirit that transforms lives. And so today we're going to look at a passage that has served to really help Highlands live in this tension. And the passage is from John chapter 8. Um, and this passage is kind of interesting because if you have a Bible, one of the things you'll see is that it, 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 it struggles to fit. I feel like it's kind of like Highlands as it struggles to fit. Um, you'll see these footnotes that say, uh, we're not sure if this passage goes here in some early manuscripts. We're not sure what's going on um, within that. And part of that reason is because in the early church, this passage was difficult to fit because Jesus in this passage looks at a situation that is incredibly difficult and offers a way forward that's controversial and would have been controversial for the church. Um, but we're going to take a look into that passage today and see what God could teach, not just us or not just us about what it means to be highlands in our community, but really, what does it mean to live as Christians in a community? So John chapter 8, if you have a Bible or it's going to come up on the screen uh, for you, I think. And uh, we're going to jump in here. It says in John chapter 8 in verse 2, Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came with them, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to cast a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. 
Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. All right. Here's the, here's the joke. I can't find my note from here. Give me one second. What did I do? I had too many notes, you guys. That's the problem. Hold on. So in this passage, what you see is you see a group. Hold on. Too many notes. Jane, did I, say, did I miss anything while I'm up here? It's fine. If I can get through this, we'll be good to go. Did I miss it? All right, that's out. Okay, there it is. All right. All right, you guys good? Did you get a good break? All right, cool. We're going to jump in. So the point of this interaction for the Pharisees is to test and challenge Jesus. These men, they go and they find a woman in the act of committing adultery. And since it's Family Sunday, I won't go much further into that. But they decide they want to judge her by the law of Moses. And here's the law that they're looking at. It says this in Deuteronomy 22. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. If there's a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. So the goal of the Pharisees is to challenge Jesus because he claimed to teach righteously and uphold God's law. He's clearly violated their understanding of that law. And specifically, earlier, he's broken the Sabbath by healing, but they couldn't get that to stick. And so now they're diving back in. They think this obvious sin will show Jesus for who he truly is. Either they're going to be able to control Jesus, or they're going to be able to show that he's a liar. Now, going in, they have a few problems. Their circumstances hate, hurt their case, because in this passage in Deuteronomy, you're supposed to bring both people forward, right? And that's a problem. There, there's no guy. Where is the guy in this situation? The other thing is that later on in Deuteronomy, you find out that you're supposed to have two eyewitnesses to an occasion like this, because if you're going to put somebody to death, you want to be sure. And so the question is, do they have two eyewitnesses? And then the following question is, if they do have two eyewitnesses, what were they doing? Right? What, what's, what's going on here? They, they obviously, at the very least, just allowed something to happen that they knew was wrong and had ulterior motives. The third problem with what they're doing is that by Jesus' day, this wasn't the only option. You'll probably read the story of Mary and Joseph going into Christmas, I would imagine. And you see that Joseph thinks that this is what happened with Mary early on, even though he's wrong. And it says that Joseph, because he's a righteous man, sought to divorce her quietly. So it's not even the only option. And in fact, it's not the option that the righteous person would have taken. And then finally, these guys have no concern for this woman at all. There's no real concern demonstrated. And this story's really powerful. And I think it's important when we're thinking about what any church is, because it paints a strong picture of harsh judges who have neglected their responsibility to care for the soul. This woman is disposable. Their only aim is to corner Jesus in a theological argument. And her life is a tool in their gambit to make him either condemn her, thus sacrificing his commitment to grace, or forgive her, thus sacrificing his commitment to God's law. And that's the church we don't want to be, and yet that's the church that we so often end up being in our culture. But Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, shares another way. He slows down the whole scene. He bends down. He writes. 
He bends down again. It feels like that whole scene would have been super awkward. He doesn't respond to their request, and he doesn't even acknowledge the woman initially, does he? Why? Because the woman isn't the issue. These guys want to win an argument. They don't want to help a person. They're clearly trying to manipulate a situation to win. And Jesus says, that's not the way that I do things. He rises above the situation and he appeals to the position of their hearts. And this can be a reminder to us, church, that we don't need to let the world set the terms of the debate or the terms of interactions that we're going to have with people in the world. And too often we do. Too often we let the world trick us into thinking it's about winning and losing and not about loving and grace. So Jesus says, let him who's without the sin to cast, be the first to cast a stone. And, and a lot of times people use this to say, see, nobody's perfect, but that's not really what he's saying in this passage. What Jesus is saying is you guys can't even abide by your own laws, right? That witnesses weren't supposed to be malicious or lying. And obviously these guys are at least guilty of being malicious. And they're probably guilty of lying by not bringing the man forward. Jesus is saying, sure, let the witnesses that are holding to integrity before God, let those people judge first. And these guys know that they're not doing that. These guys know that they're violating the law. And the incredible thing in this passage is they actually listen and they walk away. They don't ever do that with Jesus, except in this passage. And finally, Jesus talks to the woman. He waits until they're gone. And being the only one that could condemn her, he doesn't. And being the only one who's the right to declare what she should do with the rest of her life. He does. He delivers her from death and into new life. He forgives her and teaches her. And he demonstrates what John calls grace and truth that comes in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is 100% grace and 100% truth. And that is what he calls his church to be. And that is what our culture today is in desperate need of, no matter what we call our church, Highlands, River City, the universal church. The culture needs us to reflect the Jesus of 100% truth and 100% grace. John 1.17 says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is the body of Christ That's what we're called to be in the world. That's what being a city on a hill means, is living in the tension between grace and truth instead of choosing as though they can be separated. See, we're inclined to love one side or the other, right? We're inclined to either prefer grace without truth or truth without grace. And so kind of, kind of just to Prove the point. Let's play a game, right? Let's see which one of these you identify more with. First, there's people that are grace without truth people, right? And those are the people that when they read this passage, they love let the one without sin cast the first stone, right? Do you love that? Like you save it up, you cock it back and you save it for people. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever do that? You're like, yeah, you can't do that. Let he without sin cast the first stone. And and kind of the phrase that follows people who, who lean grace without truth is that we should just love people. Like, we should just love people, love God, love people. And it sounds so good. And it's right. It's right. That's the thing, right? Because if you lean towards grace, you lean towards righteousness. Jesus is grace. But people that lean to grace without truth, we get uncomfortable with the idea that Jesus also says to this lady, I I want you to go and sin no more. 
right? There are some of you that if I said, go tell people to go and sin no more, like you can already feel the sweat, right? Dropping down your neck to your, you're like, I can't say that. Who am I supposed to say that to? And the reason that we're fearful of that is because we fear legalism and we fear hypocrisy. And God bless us, church, we should, because too often the church has been legalistic and hypocritical. But, but what ends up happening, again, without the tension of truth to pull grace is that ultimately the church makes God into the permissive parent, the parent that frees us from consequence but doesn't actually offer life. You know the permissive parent. I had a friend in a high school growing up, and he had the permissive mom, and she always had all the parties, right? We could always go there. And we loved her, and we thought she was so cool, and we thought she was so much better than our parents. And we all went to college, and he went to jail. It's a real story. But you're laughing because it's true. That's what happens with the permissive parent. That's what happens when we're freed from consequences, but we're not offered the actual life to go out and do something. We can't just be people of grace that ignore truth because we won't lead people into life. Now, some of you guys are like, yeah, that's totally right. You're not going to be happy with the next part. Truth without grace, right? Some of us lean hard to truth without grace. When I was younger, I was grace without truth. Probably now I'm truth without grace, right? Some about being a parent, right? Because you just get to be in charge, and so all truth is your truth. I don't know. But truth without grace loves go and sin no more, right? They're like, you got to get your life right. You got to get your life right. Like, you can't just show up every week. Right? There has to be fruit. And, and we're uncomfortable that Jesus forgives this lady, but doesn't give her specific correction, doesn't follow up with her to make sure she's good or she's in a small group or, or any of those things. Right? And, and that comes because we fear relaxing the truth at the expense of acceptance. In church, we got to be honest about that truth. We got to be honest about that truth is that there's a fear in us, and it's a rightful fear. That, that, that accepting people doesn't mean relaxing Jesus as truth. But, but the danger of leaning into truth and not letting grace pull you back into tension is that you become the strict disciplinarian. And, and our Christianity risks deserting the gospel in favor of behavior modification. Here's why you couldn't fit this passage anywhere, church. It's because Jesus doesn't fit into our stuff. He just doesn't. It's, it's why we have to live knowing what the Father is doing. It's why we have to say to ourselves, I can only do that which the Father is doing. It's why Jesus is able to say, neither do I condemn you and go and sin no more. Because he's connected to the Father. He's not living under the 10 rules that he needs to make sure that he's a good Christian in the world. The church is the hope of the world precisely when and because it embodies 100% grace and 100% truth. And I'm not saying that is easy, but I am saying it's our calling. And so how do we do it? I'll go real quick. I'm way over. I'm sorry, you guys. But the response is this. We've got to slow down and learn to listen. That's what Jesus does in this passage. I think it's really interesting that he just slows everything down. We don't know what he writes on the dirt or whatever. People have all these ideas. To me, I think he's just like, I, I just need a minute. I just need a minute because I am the son of man, but I'm, but I'm also human and I need to hear my father. Jesus slows down. James 1.19 says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow 
to become angry. Quick to hear who. Slow to speak to who. God and people. God and people. We've got to be quick to hear God and a perspective that we might not always understand or agree with. The goal of conversations is not primarily conversion. It's primarily wisdom and revelation. We've got to realize that people are not the same as issues. Listening to God and people before you speak means you're probably going to be accused of being soft or light. You're probably going to be mocked like Jesus was, but it's still the right thing to do. And we need to be slow to speak, church. It's not that we need to not speak ever. Don't hear that, but we need to be slow to speak. Because what we think we know, we might not know. They did these 9-11 studies way back. I don't know if any of you guys have heard about these, but I'm just going to share this really quick, where they had people write down, the same people write down what they remembered about 9-11 a week after it happened. And then they came back and they made them do it at one year, three years, and 10 years. And people would write almost completely different scenarios, even things about where they were and who they were with. And they would go back and read what they wrote a week out, and they would say, that wasn't me. We don't always know what we think we know. You only know what you know, and when you don't understand someone, it's because you don't know. Speaking isn't always the best path. And as always, no matter what we are, church, we have to be slow to anger. Because anger just wants to win, right? When you're angry, you just want to win. That's what these guys were doing with this woman. But listening invites Jesus to transform. So we do two things at Highlands when we close. One is that we give people a community response, and then we give people a personal response. The community response that I would encourage you to do is this, especially going into Thanksgiving, because you're probably a lot of you are going to have an opportunity to do this. Listen to somebody you don't understand, right? Have you got them in your head? And don't counterpunch. Listen to a perspective you don't understand. Politically, theologically, personally, relationally, in your own family, in your workplace. And don't counterpunch. Take a week and pray about what the person said. Look and ask God to show you the image of God in that person. Because everybody was made in the image of God. It's in there somewhere. And then find a way coming back to encourage what you see when God shows it to you. So that's a, that's a community application. And then my personal application would be this. We're going to get the worship team back up. Are we going to get the worship team back up? Is that happening? Yeah. And we're going to have some prayer teams come up. And my personal application would be this. You can't give away what you haven't experienced. And so I think the reason we, we, we most often lean grace or truth, some of it is honestly, it's just our, it's our chemical makeup and it's the way that our genetics work out. But I think some of the reason we lean grace or truth is because that's what we've experienced of God. And for whatever reason, we've cut ourselves off from the other experience. And so what I would encourage you to do just in this last song in today, church, is this, is to ask yourself, what, what, am, what am I running away from about God? Is grace too scary for me? Like, do I build in things where I have to do stuff so God will really forgive me? Right? If you screwed up right before you came to church, is it like you need a week before you'll really let yourself experience the love of God again? Like, does it make you uncomfortable that God would look at you right now and say, I don't condemn you? Come on. 
let's do this. Let's go live life. Right? Do you need to know that God values your faithfulness over your performance so that you can do that with other people? My encouragement to you today would be to come and receive prayer for that. And then the truth is that, that some of us, it's too hard for us to hear go and sin no more. Like that makes us super uncomfortable. The idea of accountability is so scary to us because what we think of is the strict disciplinarian. What we think of is our own parents. What we think of is the person that beat us down every time we were wrong. But that's not your heavenly father. That's not the heavenly father that Jesus describes in the story of the prodigal, right? This is God when he's saying go and sin no more. What he's really saying is just come home. Just come home and let's live a life not just of continually being in the cycle of messing up and fingers crossed that I'm going to forgive you. But let's live a life of knowing that forgiveness brings with it transformation and you can do something different. Is God calling you into freedom that you've pushed off because you thought it was condemnation? I would encourage you to come receive prayer today because this is what I'll say to you, River City. If you're not going to receive prayer from these people, who are you going to receive prayer from? Like, honestly, like this is it. These are the people who have decided we're going to love you no matter what. Embrace your family of God. Embrace your opportunity to, to be with the church and receive and to be the church as you go. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're so much better than any words could ever say. God, I thank you that, 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 that what we're really made for is to meet with you. God, I ask now that you would come and you would speak to hearts and you would set people free. Set people free from sort of the self-condemnation and legalism that comes from just trying to be a better person and set people free from the fear and, and the pain that comes from your life not being transformed. And then let us go and do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Scott's come just stand right here. Would you guys be okay to do that? We're going to close service by ascending prayer. And I want all of our people who love to pray passionately to come surround them with me. And we're going to pray into, over, and for them. You guys can stay up there. Come join in. Jesus, we unite together to say thank you, but also to ask that your will would be done through the ministry you've called them through, that they would be submitted to you, that they would wake wanting to know what you're leading them into, that they would go to sleep saying thank you for it, that you would let them celebrate every single thing that they can celebrate, small as it can be, and that you would let them not personalize every hard thing that's coming that you would let their identity be built out of what you've said they are and not what they are doing. That you would bring people that speak kingdom words about what you want, not what this world wants. That you would surround and protect their family, God. But not so much that they're not brave. 
that you would send them daily and that you would relieve them from the pressures to be something more than they should be. Submitted. That's a word for you. Submitted. That's what he's calling you both to. Submitted. Amen. Thank you, guys. If you'd like to come talk to David and Jane, you can. They'll be kind of about. I'm going to dismiss you guys. Thank you for sticking around. We celebrate the church planting and the network. But God, I just pray over our people as we go. We would be present with our communities and our families this week of Thanksgiving. Thank you for every good gift you've given us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.